Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Lonnie, mm-hmm. how do you feel watching this show as a white man who is in the prime position to save all of the world's problems. It's a lot to have on my shoulders, mm-hmm. but I think I'm ready for it. Well, As is Bowie, clearly. Got him, I reckon. <laughs> well, welcome to I Only Like You and Movies and whatever this is <laughs> inside, not really sure. My name's Lonnie. I'm here with Sinead again. How are you doing, Sinead? Hello. I'm well, thank you. Everyone's talking about Inside, the new Bo Burnham comedy special. Um, and I'm not sure what it is. Can you please explain it to me, Sinead? Um, so Bo Burnham's a comedian. Okay. And an actor and filmmaker person, internet person. Mm-hmm. Um, and... He's filmed like a sort of introspective one-man show that was filmed during the pandemic when he was stuck in his house. And it's like a commentary on the internet and society and interpersonal relationships and it's less of a stand-up routine and more of a performance, I guess. You said it was the best thing that's been made in the last, what, 40 years, was it? Yeah, look, <laughs> I was a bit excited after I saw it again. <laughs> it's no Paddington 2, everyone calm down. Okay, yeah. But it's still bloody good. Yeah, and I was, I was being a little bit funny by saying, what is it? Like, I know what it is. It's, well, I know what it kind of is, but there has been that sort of um, element to the commentary about is it a comedy special? It's a bit like Nanette in that sense. I saw somebody yeah. online said that, yeah, call me old-fashioned, but I prefer my comedy specials to have jokes in them. Yeah. Which is a bit unfair to this because I think it is funny. There are jokes. It does make you laugh. But it has that extra element to it, which is a little bit documentary, a little bit performance art, I suppose, is the most yes. accurate um, summation of what it is. But it is funny and it is... Um, satirical and just parodying there's like there's a little bit of intelligence behind the humor which yeah it's not just fart jokes and stuff no i i don't think it's a comedy special either i think like because bo burnham was was slashy as a comedian they're like well this is a comedy special is it though or is it just like a creator being given Mm. sort of free reign to make whatever they want you know like i think viewing it through a stand-up lens is not it's a weird thing to view it through. Oh, totally. And I think that that's the same The net. If you try and analyze it as a comedy special, well, it's not going to really no. work because it's not It's not that. It's like watching, yeah, if you try to analyze anything through the, long, the wrong lens, you're a different lens than what it was intended to, you're going to get a different outcome. Mm. So, okay, can you just, maybe someone hasn't watched this. It's filmed inside his guest house. The film kind of makes it out that he's, like, confined there, but that's one of the the conceits, I suppose, isn't it? Mm. Filmed all throughout COVID and lockdown. We've all went through that together, but at the same time, he's trying to make a comedy special. Normally, you make these sort of things. You do a stand-up show in front of a live audience in a theatre. Mm. <laughs> Can't do that during COVID. Um, but it's also... I didn't really notice about Bo before I got into him. I, I watched... His, his most recent comedy special from 2016. And I thought he was just a comedian. I didn't realise he was actually, like, musical as well. Mm. So that's, you know, all I knew. Oh, the first thing I actually think I saw him was it was in Promising Young Woman. Mm-hmm. But I knew a bit about him. I knew he'd done eighth grade a few years ago, but I haven't got around to watching it. And I wasn't really 
very au fait with any of his YouTube stuff either. So this is kind of a bit, a bit of a return to like YouTubing, isn't it? Really, let's, let's face it. It's a bit like that sort of vlogging style on top of a comedy special, which is also on, on top of lots of other commentaries about the world. Yeah, it's very complex. Yeah. Mm. There was a review that I read, and I'll link a couple of the good ones in the show notes, but they were saying that he's essentially returning to what he used to do, stuck back in a room filming videos, writing silly little songs, but Mm. he's much older now, Mm. (laughs) and he's doing it in a global climate, I guess, that's not very stable or... Like, mm-hmm. it's, it's just changed so much from when he previously did that. So of course, he's going to have different things to say. Yeah, I think I saw, um, I'd have been the, on the Roger Ebert website review, or could have been on the other ones. I've read a whole bunch about it because I was trying to work out what exactly happened when I watched this. And they talked about, it's a little bit like watching like a YouTube video or like a playlist on autoplay because it just sort of keeps coming and, it just changes and there's so many different styles within and then it's so weird to watch like a comedy song and then you watch him watching the song then you watch him get progressively more like hairier and long the growing sort of his hair out and his beard out over lockdown he gets very naked didn't realize he can get so naked during this but when i <laughs> sat down to watch it but it is i think it's almost like the sort of thing if you went to uh you know, the Gallery of Modern Art here in Brisbane or a similar sort of um, postmodern art gallery. And sometimes they just have installations and you just sit down and you just watch it from any point. It felt a bit like that to me more than it felt like a comedy special. Is that mm. fair, you reckon? Well, you can have whatever opinion of it you like if that's how you read it. I, I guess there are a series of, like, vignettes um, mm. that change in tone. I think that's fair, but... How much is it real? Like, that's something I asked you when I after yes. I watched it. I, 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 I think that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> performance art, I think, sums up what it's going for. But you have to believe some of it, at least, is if it's not exactly what he was going through during lockdown, it's certainly an element or been elaborated upon or expanded upon some of the things we were all going through, and you know, mm. he was no exception. What do you think? Well, I hate talking in vaguety, so let's get into some spoilers so that do if it. you don't okay. want to hear it, Go watch it. and Recommend then, it. Yeah. yeah. Right. So this is something I was constantly thinking about when I was watching this because he's essentially, he's written this piece, right? Mm-hmm. But things happen in the piece that he can't have known that he needed to orchestrate. And then he's also going through it after he's written it and then... Like the 30th birthday, for example, was that actually his 30th birthday or did he write that at the beginning going, I'm going to turn 30 this year and this is what I want to do for that bit? Or did he literally just turn the camera on and film it? Like there's this weird, um, I think parasocial relationships are spoken about a lot with YouTube and how, how much the person is, I don't want to say fabricate, but, you know, putting together a narrative because they want a certain reaction out of you, I guess. Mm. And he has this feel to the special that he's just switched the camera on and started talking. But Mm. how much of that is scripted? How much of that was planned? And, you know, there's a bit in this special where he goes, I didn't want to finish it. I realised I've been delaying finishing it because if it's done, it's done and I can't can't work on it and perfect it anymore. But did he know that he was going to have a hard time finishing it? Did he plan for that in the beginning or did he like... Mm just get there and then that became part of it? Was that a rewrite? But then also he's a character within his own Mm. thing, you know. The bow that's growing his hair and progressively looking more dishevelled isn't the same bow who wrote the piece. He's he's acting, he's performing within that. It's just there's so many layers. It's a big onion. (laughs) It's a big onion (laughs) of a special. But you're so right though. It's a persona of him. It's a version of him, yeah. Mm. And that's in a very obvious way in this. Like, we all get that to a certain extent. How much of it is real or not, it's hard Mm. hard to say. But you're right, on YouTube, exact same thing. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When someone's on YouTube and, hi, guys, here I'm going to talk about, you know, my clothing haul, that's not really them. That's them being in a YouTube video, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. um, And 
I think he's calling attention to the artifice of of YouTube exactly. and celebrity, that's, of course. That's part of it as well. Mm. Like there's it's, there's so many layers to this. And you mentioned the guest house. Like, did he actually stay in the guest house for six months of the pandemic, or did he? Mm. Like, surely he went outside to get groceries or things like <laughs> yeah. that. But it's not framed that way. It's framed that he's stuck in this tiny room, mm. going through writer's block, going through a creativity mm. slump, and not knowing what to do, which. I think for both of us as people who are interested in creative um, outputs, we can relate to that, that mm. f- frustrated sort of feeling of not knowing how to create or what to create or mm. um, not knowing the right thing to do. And it, it's, it's incredibly, incredibly introspective. Like mm. it's, it's a real deep dive into his psyche from himself and how he thinks and what he does and, Oh, it's just, it's so good. It's its so good. <laughs> Your question about like the 30th birthday mm. example, like he could have filmed it the day before <laughs> or, yeah. or the very first day of, of filming. And I think while it's interesting for us to talk about how much of it was real and, you know, when did that birthday scene come into the piece? Did he, when did he write it or did he just, yeah, was it actually, he thought of it as he was turning 30 to film that it's interesting but it's almost the wrong question isn't it because yeah it doesn't really matter if it was his birthday or not because it's it's how it's presented in the story and in, in, the, in yeah. the film world is is the real thing to analyze not this you know what if we know what if he came out and told us yes that was my birthday doesn't really change much within the film does it no it changes, element, of course changes your yeah. reaction to it i think the reason I'm interested in those questions, though, is because I'm interested in behind the scenes of how things are created. You yeah. know, I'm not asking that question to understand this more. I'm asking that question because I'm fascinated by how he put this together. Um, and I don't think, like, people ask behind the scenes questions all the time. I don't think it, I agree with you, it doesn't affect the actual thing itself. Mm. But I think it, what, what I'm getting at is that, say we got all those answers, I don't think that unlocks what this is all about. I think that'd be cool to know all that stuff, but it's not like, you know, if there's a bit of mystery element to this or there's some creative questions you have after watching inside, I think if you got all those answers about what's real and what's not real, I don't think that means necessarily that you understand it then. It adds an element of some of the behind the scenes for sure, and that's interesting to us as creative people, but yeah, I don't think the answers are within the knowing all those intricate details. I think the answer is in what he's presenting to us. I agree. Hmm. Okay. What are your, what's your favorite song of his? Oh, White Woman's Instagram is hard to look past for me. <laughs> yeah. Now, I saw something. I, I don't know if it was related to Bo in particular. I don't know when I saw this. It was on Twitter and I was like, you know, be careful of people who complain about white women because what they really mean is just women and they sort of hide their disdain or misogyny behind, you know, calling out white women in particular. I don't know if that was about this song or about Bo Burnham in general, but I don't know if oh, I, don't, I don't know where I sit on that to be honest. I thought it was, I thought it was one of the better better songs too, and I don't think it was misogynistic. Do you? What do you think? Well, Maybe? I don't think so. I think it was more a dig at influencer culture, mm. to be honest, and sort of middle to upper class people who think that they're influencers and format their Instagram to be very hashtag aesthetic. Mm. Um, like the comments on the tiny pumpkins and the, <laughs> like that's a dig at influencer culture. It's a dig on yeah, specifically, artifice, right? specifically Zoella. <laughs> um, yeah. But I think that's part of it. He's, he's picking apart these things, this, these ways that we present ourselves online. Mm. Like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't think he was hating on women because they're women. I think he was hating on influencer culture and the artifice, yeah, for sure. And so. and it is like, I don't know. I don't. I do struggle when it's a truth, a universal mm. truth that someone says, and then that's interpreted as attacking someone. There are more white women than white men who manufacture their Instagram feeds to have. Mm fairy lights and tiny pumpkins and little daisies around them and oh look they're just frolicking on the beach like that is an inherent thing 
the fact that he's just mm. bringing a spotlight to it doesn't make him really so oh, totally person. And, yeah, again, I, I don't know if that comment I saw on a random Twitter page, it wasn't like, you know, an attack by necessarily someone with influence on, on by Burnham. Mm. Um, it, it maybe wasn't about him at all. But I, yeah, I wonder, like, you can poke fun at somebody or something, a, a part of the culture without, yeah, calling them out and, and and you hate them because they do this. Maybe you can poke fun at something and, well, and celebrate it because I'm sure they're a part, like, the whole thing is about how Bo, um, he spent his whole life wanting people to love him and laugh at his jokes when he, what song, which one was it about how the world works? It's like, yeah, I could be doing so much more for the world mm-hmm. with what I've got, but instead I want to make jokes and make people like me. I think he's, if anything, he's, he, he's making fun of himself 100%. in that song too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think also like this sort of um, meta commentary on influencer culture, on performance art, on performative personas that we, on personas that we present to the online world in particular, mm. something I thought about is I don't know if this show makes sense if you're not a hashtag online person, I don't mm. know how much of it you would you would get. And I don't say that to be patronising or condescending. I'm just thinking of someone like my dad watching this, mm. he wouldn't understand all of the sort of intertextual jokes that are being made and what exactly he's referring to. And, of course, you don't have to do that. I mean, it's similar to, like, comic book movies. You can enjoy them and not pick up on the Easter eggs because you haven't read all the comics, but there are Mm. Easter eggs in there for people who are diehard fans and know exactly what that little joke is referring to. So I don't know. I don't know, but I was thinking, like, does this make sense if you're not online? If you haven't seen the discourse about everyone having an opinion on every single little thing, you know, which he comments Mm. about or... Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, I know what you mean for sure. And I was thinking of it actually when I watched Cruella, which we'll talk about very soon in one of our other podcasts, where it's like I'm reading some reviews about it. And I think the same thing about when it when it comes to you know, comic book movies and all those things. It's like, does it matter what a 60-year-old male reviewer thinks of Cruella? Because mm. they're not the target audience. Exactly. And, if, and the same thing, does it matter what somebody who hates comic books and thinks they're stupid does it matter if they don't like the new Batman because, you know, that doesn't matter because it's not made for them. And, like, if they like it, that that's good. If they don't like it, not the end of the world. And that, that's, in a similar way, I think this this doc, this thing, whatever insight <laughs> is, um, you're right. If it doesn't make sense to somebody who doesn't understand all the internet references, well, yeah, it wasn't made for them. True, it's not made for them, yeah. But I, I think that is, is totally right. Because, like, I was thinking the same thing. My dad, if, if he watched it, that one scene in particular where Bo is, um, he's Twitch, like, streaming himself, walking around oh, the game. and crying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, you know, my parents would think that's funny. They'd understand the joke, what I mean. They wouldn't necessarily understand what Twitch is or get why Bo controlling himself in a game and the character is in touch with his emotions, but him watching himself and controlling himself is just streaming and doesn't really give a shit and is just sort of working the game out as he goes along and just nonchalantly talking about it. Yeah, that has so many added layers for people who are aware of Twitch and YouTube and mm. Let's Play videos and things like that. I don't think but your you parents are... would even understand the concept of, like, someone playing a video game and watching someone play a video game. Do you know what I mean? Like, Oh, yeah. Like, they'd get it, but they wouldn't. They were not, not yeah. in it like yeah. we are, you know. And even we're not in it. Everything no. <laughs> happens on, online. Well, that's the other thing. I could watch this a million times and not get all the jokes or not pick up mm. on all the jokes. There's literally every sentence in this special, there is 20 different jokes that you mm. have to, like, unpack. And mm-hmm. I love yeah. that about things because I love the rewatchability of something, you know. Like, I think mm-hmm. I would get more out of this the more times I watched it, the longer I thought about it, the mm. more I sort of analysed it and tried to pick it apart and figured it out. Like, there's just so much, so much in this that's contained within such a short time. I think so. Just something simple, which I didn't really get as it happened and it only took me to think about it a bit more. 
the bit where he does like a thank you, like a YouTube, thanks guys for watching, but he's holding a knife mm. and then he just stares at the camera and, and it just, just stays a bit too long. Yep. Like in and of itself, that's kind of funny because yeah, he's got a knife and whatever. And then it gets a little bit disturbing, but also it is a bit like, you know, some influences mm. in how they treat their audiences. There is that love-hate relationship and it is, you know, you're my people, but only up until the point where you're useful to me. Yeah. It's like the th- thing about him as well is he's very filmically minded. Like mm. you can tell this has come from someone who understands video, who understands how to put a scene together, how to write a scene, how to frame a scene. Like it's just h- such high quality. Every part of this mm. is on purpose, you know. Mm. I think so, Yeah. And I wasn't trying to say like people like our parents would, it's not made for them, so they shouldn't watch it or shouldn't get it. I was just trying to say no, no. it's, it just, it is made in a different sort of sphere when it's something like this or something like a comic book movie where you need, you have to be in the in group to understand everything. And, and it should, it should still also, the out group should also understand it as well, but it's just a different experience watching it. I agree. Having been grown up on the internet alcohol we'd a touch younger and obviously haven't gone through all the same things he has but yeah there are some bits there like that classic quote of internet commentary it's like if you don't understand it your brain still understands it yeah (laughs) i think like of course anyone can watch anything you know Hmm. exclusivity is stupid but also it's okay if everything if sorry it's okay if things aren't made for everyone because mm-hmm. there are so many general things that everyone can watch and be sort of on the same mm. playing field. And then there are these sorts of things that happen very infrequently mm. for people who are in that sphere. And it's okay to have one every one once in a while, you know. That's right. Roger Ebert once said that, I don't know what film it was now, but he said, this film was made for me. Mm-hmm. And so many films are made for everyone, which means they're made for no one. Yeah. And... I don't know. I think, yeah, I think this was made for Bo Burnham himself. And I think so too. <laughs> <laughs> luckily that we can get something out of it, if we, even if we don't understand everything. I think there's a possibility of people interpreting this as a very narcissistic, self-absorbed wank mm. fest, really, of him just going through this thing and being very self-analytical. And, you know, there's a, there could be possibility that people have a really negative look at this as mm. just self flagellation you know but i I think that that, i think that's true and i i cut you off there so you carry on no it's okay (laughs) (laughs) sorry i didn't hear your butt so go on oh i've lost my thoughts thought train lost my thought train anyway well well, i'll finish your thought then okay that is all true i think you could look at this and have a quite a negative reaction because it could come across as quite narcissistic and self-absorbed self-centered there's elements of that, but also I think there is something about an artist cutting themselves open mm-hmm. and then letting you in on their pain or yep. not necessarily pain, but whatever they're going through. And that can be quite a selfless act, really, if done correctly. And I think this is pretty much done in the right spirit. It's not like I'm going to, you know, hurt myself and you should like me because of that. I think it's like, I'm going to hurt myself so maybe you can get something out of it. Yeah. I think as well, like, he, because some of the criticism or he's the butt of several jokes that he makes and, Mm. like, he's not immune from the criticism, I guess. And he, in terms of, like, bearing your soul, one of the songs he talks about where he was in school and he dressed up as Aladdin for like a fancy dress thing mm. and he's like I don't know if that was wrong but I feel weird about it and I'm going to tell you now because you're going to find it out anyway so here's all the shit mm. that I've done here's here's where I've been a shit person mm. there you go you know there's something I, really like strong in that to me I think so too and I think I compare it again to like a YouTuber who posts an hour and a half apology video where they're just crying they're telling their truth they're telling their truth, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like at least he's trying to do something creative and that will mean something to other people, not just, yeah, having a whinge. Yeah, it's not that. It's so much more than that. Yeah, and I think, you know, the, the other quote is like, if you want to 
process whatever you've you're, the trauma you've gone through. It's don't write a novel. It's go to therapy. Like mm. don't don't make everyone else be inflicted by whatever you're going through. But I, I think that's where this, the step where it is. It's by Burnham, but also it's by Burnham the character going through all this, and he has got a point to it. I think he's he's clever enough to have that step of removal where this does have a point to it rather than just, yeah, straight up trauma. It's also like I think there's something to be said about there's two pandemics that we went through in a way. There's mm. our personal experience of the pandemic and what we felt and what we actually did and all of that, but there's also this like performative nature to the pandemic where it's, you know, we're making our hashtag sourdough starters and we're all tweeting about how much it sucks because we haven't gone outside. Like there's there's mm. there's a – what am I trying to say? The way that we expressed our feelings of going through the pandemic is not the same as the feelings we actually had during the pandemic. And mm. the way that we talk to others and interact to others about this communal experience of being in a pandemic and being in lockdown – is that's what Bo's like mm-hmm. talking about. He's not talking about like he's talking about the sort of online experience of going through a pandemic, I guess, mm-hmm. in some ways. Or the the way that do you know what I'm trying to say? Help me out, Hilo. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. No, I think that's very true. And I've been brought to mind that quote or that thought experiment about, you know, this is not a cigar, the picture of a cigar. Mm-hmm. Is it a cigar? Is that what it is? I think it is. I think so. A pipe, maybe? Maybe it's a pipe. Oh, this is not a pipe. Yes, definitely. Yeah, yeah, a pipe. from. Yep. Yeah, yes. Uh, very intelligent of me to know that. Um, <laughs> but that's the thing. It's like, yes, going through the pandemic. And then us talking about going through the pandemic and us representing going through a pandemic through pictures and YouTube and mm. social media, that's not the same thing. No. And that's something I think accurate you've, you've um, touched upon there is, yes, the way we all experienced it and the way we represent that is not the same thing at all. And It can never commentary. be because art, mm. art's always an interpretation, a, a commentary, a... Mm-hmm. accumulation of all these things you know and edit i guess yeah oh, totally having said that, that though i know mm-hmm. there's a lot of discourse around people not wanting creative works to be written about the pandemic like i see on my twitter mm-hmm. feed almost every mm-hmm. day you know oh the first people to write a book about a love story while in lockdown you know i'm going to burn the book if i find that or something like there's this real like anger oh, yeah. about it yeah i know and i guess <laughs> I kind of get that because we're all traumatised. We've all had this collective trauma and we don't want to be reminded of it, you know. But societies are always going to think about things and produce things that come from places of pain. And I think to just say, no, I'm not engaging with any creative works about the pandemic um, because I'm sick of it, I want to put this behind me, I never want to think about it again. Like, okay, good for you. You're never engaging mm. with yourself on a deeper level. <laughs> but that's not what we do. We make movies about war to understand war. We make movies about mm. famine to understand famine. We make movies about this crippling isolation of the pandemic surrounded by all of these statistics of people dying and this fear of of each other being contagious and could possibly causing us death and 
people who don't believe it's real, like all this stuff, of course we're going to think about that and analyse it and create works about it. And I think it's stupid to be like, we can't ever talk about this. Like that seems really old-fashioned in terms of, you know, our previous generations going through traumatic things and then never talking to their families about it so then they just pass that trauma down to their kids, you know. Like engage with it, work through it, talk to other people about it. Like this is something that we've Mm. all experienced and something that we need to work through. And I think this piece of art or whatever we want to call it is really encapsulates the weirdness of the pandemic, the weirdness of having this like, connection to people through your phone or through your computer but not having that social relationship mm. with them in real life and feeling so isolated and like you're going insane because, you know, I think back to the, the worst lockdown we had last year in Melbourne, I could leave my house for an hour a day to exercise. That was it. Mm-hmm. I was inside 23 hours a day. That was really difficult <laughs> and I personally appreciate someone's interpretation of what they found difficult in the pandemic. I feel a kinship with them. I feel like an acknowledgement of the fact that we all went through something that was really hard and now we're going to process it together and work through it and put it behind us in a more thoughtful way, I guess. Yeah, well said. I think, you know, what if we went back to... 1918 and 1919 with the with that pandemic that flu and take someone there who they seemingly had lockdowns and going through that pandemic mm. and then you brought them to, to to today and it's like yeah we're going through a pandemic but we do have access to every film and song that's <laughs> ever been made and oh you can still talk to your friends you can just have to bring them up or you can facetime them yeah and like not i'm not saying what we went through last year was fine because obviously it wasn't but that, that is also, I think, a little bit of um, what Bo's getting at, just that, that content song about everything is mm. content. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, even even when things, well, whatever you go through doesn't necessarily, whatever the, the positives and the negatives are, it's, it's always going to be something to comment on and something strange that's happening. Yeah. But, yeah, there's that thing about you know, when you're commenting on or reviewing or analysing a piece of art you shouldn't worry about how realistic it is because nothing's realistic because (laughs) everything is representation and what's realistic to you is not realistic to someone else it's not a documentary and even if it is a documentary that's a curated look at things Mm -hmm. it's not the actual thing Mm -hmm. yep you know if you made a documentary about going through lockdown versus you know what a anti-lockdowner perhaps Mm -hmm. (laughs) made yes it'd be hard to find um, a common truth amongst mm. all those, all those different interpretations of reality. Um, so I think, kind of goes back to my early point about if we even if we had Bo tell us all the things, all the secrets to his documentary or whatever this is. Yeah, in some ways that's awesome. In other ways, it it distracts from the message and the point of it all. Yeah, I agree. Mm. I'm going to link in the show notes. It just reminded me. Um, John Green's podcast, The Anthropocene Reviewed, which he's not doing anymore, but I think is still available. Um, mm. He did an episode on plagues and um, how we responded to them in the past and what we can learn from them. And it's really, mm. it's a good That's listen. That's a great one. So, remember that. Yeah. I, I talked to a friend about this one, a friend Kelly, mm-hmm. and we had a bit of a chat about it. And she kind of touched upon some of the elements of, um, yeah, how hard is it to be a white guy doing a comedy special? <laughs> like, yeah. And there is an element, but I think he, he lampshades that enough that it's literally in the he's first okay song. He's like, yeah, let's make some jokes when the world's shit and black people are dying every two seconds. That's really yeah. going to help. Like, that's, that's, you, that's what point. you want to hear from, a me, a white guy. Me. <laughs> um, and that is, that is fair enough commentary, I think, and I think he'd accept that, but doesn't mean that he, he should never make anything ever again because that, that doesn't get us any closer to no. the answer. Um, but also, I kind of thought in that, in that same vein, it's like, you're going through a pandemic, and that's really bad. We're all going through that. But his biggest problem is he's got to make a, a special for Netflix. I'm like, oh, I'd hate to have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I'd hate to get that Netflix money and be a famous comedian who also was in a film that was nominated for Best Picture last year. Oh, tough being, Bo. I'm joking, of course. I'm not... That's... Again, I've, I think I've said enough that he's doing performance art and it's theatre and it's it's not necessarily a documentary about his life over the last year. Um, but again, everything's relative, isn't it? Everything's relative. There's a tweet I saw on, um, on Twitter this morning, actually, and someone said, mm-hmm. why do you still have... I think they were asking Matt Haig, the author, mm-hmm. why do you still have bouts of depression when you've got, like, two best-selling books and a family that loves you and whatever? It's not... That's not how illness works, guys. It's like saying, mm. why do you have two broken legs when you've got a really good job? Those two yeah. things are not congruent. <laughs> Depression doesn't care how successful you no. are. No. And so, you know, what Bo went through, whether that mm. was a an exaggerated version of what he actually mm. went through, whether that was a true representation, um, still valid that he had this this thing and it's interesting. It's a peek into a life that is not mine, you know. Mm. I would have no idea how hard it would be to be creative as a person whose who's creative output relies very much on other people, on, mm. on being in a room with other people laughing at your jokes immediately, you know. Like my creative outputs are sewing, which I do for me, or baking, <laughs> which I do for me, or writing something. I don't need that immediate, you know, mm. feedback from people. And so this, in that way, it's kind of a peek into this world that, like, I didn't know. I wouldn't know how hard it would be to film a mm. special and where do you get inspiration from? You're just in a room, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. And I made a joke a second ago about oh, how difficult would it be to have Netflix making, mm. you know, making something on Netflix. It would be so difficult. So if hard. If Netflix came to me <laughs> tomorrow and said, you've got six months to make this special, everyone in the world's going to watch it. If it's bad, everyone will make fun of you online. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make something that is funny but also worthwhile and it's commentary. I'm like, yeah, I'd be terrified. So and you'd want it to I be, do understand be good, right? Like you mm. want it to be a good, good in itself and then also something mm-hmm. that you're proud of and that reflects mm. you and it does, you know, your style mm-hmm. of creativity justice. Like, Yeah. I, I don't, don't know if you've... So go, you I was know. just going to say I just don't like how this sort of layering of trauma like it's okay mm. for me to feel sad but it's not okay for Bo Burnham to feel sad like <laughs> that's just stupid yeah I was just gonna say I don't know if you've listened to or watched his most recent before this one called Make Happy it's on Netflix as well mm. his recent show um, he's got a really good song in that where he's um taking off country singers mm-hmm. and it was in particular modern day um country musicians who make songs about how tough it is to be a working class you mm. know, person in, in America when they don't have any knowledge or experience of that themselves. And he just, he says, all you need to do is say a few things that are relevant to the audience. And it's like, That's interesting. I don't know what it is, but it's like blue jeans, pickup truck. Whiskey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that kind of stuff. That sort of thing. And he's like, you just got to say these words in the right order. And mm. then all of a sudden you're connecting to your audience. And he, he obviously other things that, that Bo has done in this and, and in other shows where it's like there is so much wrong in the world, but all I want to do is make jokes and make people laugh at me. And then he gets conflicted about that and he makes a song about that. Mm-hmm. Like obviously that is very much your inside his head, which mm-hmm. I think is the pun of the, the yeah. title. Yeah. And it's, you know, you're getting a bit caught up in the, in the, in the creative process there. But wouldn't it be better if everyone who was making art had to have these concerns and (laughs) it's okay if that they come to the surface every now and then because you know i think of someone like kevin hart who makes billions of dollars on these stand-up specials where you know he's not really saying anything and it seems like he thinks he's i don't know i don't know much about kevin hart but i'm talking about that sort of comedian who just goes up there makes jokes thinks the world owes them something and they owe the world the cleverness of their humor and that's it. Like, that's where it stops. And maybe Kevin Hart has these introspective moments. I'm not really sure. But I'm talking about, you know, on the whole, not many comedians seem to make it part of their process. And maybe they should. Maybe we'd all make... I, I, I think about this. I'm not even a famous comedian. I'm like, I'm going to the office and, you know, answering emails. Or I'm here talking to you making podcasts when people are starving out there. Like, 
is this the best use of our time? Probably Maybe. not, but it's all Maybe. there's also like it's not up to every person to solve everything. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's actually not that bad because what did we do when the lockdown started? We all started home and, and found solace in books and in movies and music. Like Yeah, like the value of a, art. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. And there's that joke of oh, not not joke, that, that quip from supposedly from Churchill, it's like, um, you know, need to save all these, you know, make make special effort to save all this artwork and mm. things that the Nazis or whoever are going to destroy. You know, like that's not important. He's like, Well, what are we having the war for? If not to save all these yeah. creative things that we've done and and to have another chance to make them again in the future. Like, that's the whole point of what we're here for. Mm. Yeah, again, doesn't mean that you and I need to go and be, you know, become a nurse or devote our lives to ending poverty tomorrow. But at the same time, we should all do more. You know, all of us should do more to volunteer and help and stuff. But I don't think it's that bad if we have a comedian who is um thinking about this sort of thing and making, it, making us think about it as well. Because mm. what's the alternative? They don't think about it and we all just pretend like the world's fine and yeah it is good then when a comedian makes a funny joke and that's the end of it that's not thinking about anything else well if you know the me too thing highlighted anything it's that male comedians have a lot to answer for in mm. their industry and i think someone who's showing that they're a bit introspective and a bit empathetic is mm. not only necessary but welcome mm-hmm. after people who should not be named who were doing horrible things to female comedians you know mm. i want i'd rather more bo burnham's than kevin hart's or louis ck's and at that point oh yeah and it's um yeah it's easy i think to look at somebody who is trying to make a point and think about some of those conflicts of the artist you know mm. and just to make fun of them they're like oh why don't you just make a joke why you gotta make it all serious or make it all about you but i think that is just like you know cutting someone down when they're trying to be better or trying to at least take stock of what they're going through. It's also the it's easy to easy to make fun of them yeah. think, rather than to engage with them or, or think about it yourself. There's also the, the style of this stand-up show of what he's talking about in this show. You know, comedians have different repertoire, I guess, that mm. they talk about. And this one is very introspective and thinking about the pandemic and how he works and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. The next show he does could be, I don't know, a really generic... <laughs> comedy special you know who knows yeah and and just think about him in particular he was recently in a movie promising a woman Mm -hmm. you know which touched upon lots of interesting things and made us all think and Mm -hmm. um raised so many uh compelling and i think that is a positive for the culture that we have that sort of that movie out there in the world but you could just put, take it off, or well, why are we making movies about this? Why don't we go out and actually help people rather than just make a movie about it? I'm like, well, you can do more than one thing. Yeah. And if Bo Burnham is a good comedian, he's got lots to say about the world, it's not so bad when he does that yeah. and makes us all think a bit. And let's not forget, his casting in Promising Young Woman was metatextual because mm-hmm. he's a nice guy and we all know that he's a nice guy and he's the YouTuber who made 8th grade and everyone loves Bo Burnham. <laughs> so then you're not going to... Mm. see it coming when what happens happens you know so it's um so far i keep thinking looking at a picture of him right now that tweet i sent you where it's like bro band was so hot in a if we worked at the same restaurant sort of way <laughs> <laughs> it's, and so true. it's so true like that's the thing is like you that tweet just immediately takes you to that place and you're like i 100 percent understand what you were trying to say here uh, very tall stuff. bo too tall. Too tall, I think. I think he's about twice my height, isn't he? I think, yeah, he's like, I think at least 6'5", right? You can look up his height now. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> 1.96 metres. Jesus. So he's almost two metres tall. Yeah. I'm at a metre and 54 centimetres. Um, okay. So, <laughs> so another, what, third of me? Mm, wow. I'd love to see a picture of you guys next to each other. Maybe Why? So you can laugh at me and make fun of my height. Yeah. Well, he's big. Yes. <laughs> he's tall on me, but then he'd be even taller on you. So. Mm-hmm. Okay, I just want to, before we, I think we're wrapping up. It sounds like we're getting to our summary points, but <laughs> take a step back from all the, um, all the 
concepts and ideas actually filmed really well, isn't it? Like on a purely technical level, I'm amazed at some of the images he, he was able to capture. Well, that's what I was saying about he's, you know, a film nerd. Like he knows how mm. to film something. <laughs> he knows the technical aspects of how to frame a shot, mm-hmm. you know. And just like the pit, like the... The colors and lights that he had there. Yeah, lights the, um, on um, foot pedal switches, which was really interesting. Yeah, the projectors. Yeah. I just think, yeah, the confines of being in one room, one small studio, um, actually showed you how creative you can be. Well, Lonnie, you've quoted a lot of people this podcast. I'm going to give you a quote. I don't mm. know who said it, but there's a quote <laughs> that constraint breeds creativity. Yeah. And I think that's exemplified in this special yeah i think you know take away all the concerns or questions about how real it is artifice all that stuff Mm. i don't think this would have made without the pandemic no i feel even like just even the idea of filming something in a house with one camera one guy yeah you might get something a little bit like this but you wouldn't have got this exact same thing without the pandemic would you no i don't think so yeah so that's really cool i think I wasn't. I wasn't gonna. wasn't going into this. You know, it's one guy. He's filmed it in his in his guest house, thinking that this is going to be a really visually stimulating and interesting um, film. But yeah, it is. It somehow is. Mm. You can almost watch it without this music. Like some, just some of the images themselves are quite arresting. I thought. Mm. Well, are you, are you ready to share your rating? Okay. Do you want to go first? No, I want you to go first because okay. I want to see what you give it. I'm going to give it five stars. I think it's the best thing I've seen on Netflix since a little show I like to call <laughs> Emily in Paris. There it is. Did you think you were going to go the whole episode without uh, mentioning it? I really did. I I just like it known <laughs> for the record that I do not support or endorse this silly game that Bonnie has entered into that he set himself this challenge to mention it every podcast <laughs> caught me on the back foot i don't think you mentioned it in the last podcast what was that those who wish me dead no, maybe i didn't i thought we were free i thought we'd okay let's go back and <sighs> we record that no one. that's fine it's already out there <laughs> oh no but yeah five stars i think even though i'm still not sure quite what it is I've thought about it a lot since I watched it and I got so much out of it. And, I, you know, we've been raving about it a bit. I don't think it all works necessarily. And there are, you know, is it stand-up? Should it have been funnier? But I think it's just so interesting and maybe it does all work. I don't know. I need to watch it again. Mm. But it's rare to finish a show and immediately go, I want to watch that again. Like, yeah. There are so many movies that we haven't seen and that we want to see. And so when mm. one comes along that makes us want to watch it again, I think that is an indicator in itself that this is interesting and something worthwhile. Mm. Yeah. Well, okay, what's, what's your rating? Lonnie, you throw around five-star ratings a bit more liberally than I do. <laughs> yeah. And I'm quite conservative in my scoring, as you mm. know, mm-hmm, and I mm-hmm. like to break things down into fractions to mm, get that true. perfect number having said that Mm. i'm also going to give this five stars wow you're also going to say it's the best thing you see on netflix since emily in paris wow that's amazing no (laughs) oh my goodness lonnie's found this um it's not a gif it's just an image that's become a meme everybody of Emily, is the screenshot of Emily with like her glasses down and like one eyebrow raised, and he just sends that just for anything, any reason you could think of. He just sends the meme. He's addicted. <laughs> You're in a cult. You're in an Emily in Paris cult. We need to extradite you. Even we're talking about her. I must have liked a few things of Emily in Paris on Instagram, and so now when you go to like the explore section of Instagram, <laughs> I just, I'm just flooded with Emily in Paris and Lily Collins pictures and videos and stuff. And there was a funny one recently. You know how, I don't know, was it, was it Vulture, one of those YouTube videos where they do the thing that's like, you know, Lily Collins answers the internet's questions or whatever. Oh, yeah. And they pull off the, the questions mm-hmm. from Google or whatever. And it must have been, I think she must have been in that Tolkien movie a couple of years ago. And the question about, and she was doing promo for that. That's why she was there. 
and the question was, who was Lily Collins related to? I'm guessing it's about, you know, her famous father, but her answer was like, um, my family. <laughs> Good. She was joking. She knew she, she knew what they were getting at as well. Yeah, I know. It's very funny. She's like, the Collins clan? <laughs> anyway, that's some good Emily in Paris, Lily Collins um, <sighs> content for you. Anyway, back to Bo. Yeah, five star. That's amazing to me. You wouldn't, I don't know the last time you had a five star review. So, I think it wow. was Paddington too, potentially. Probably was. Promising woman? No, you, you know you had a few concerns. A about couple that. of yeah. concerns. La La Land, maybe. Yeah, maybe. We did record we were, an we were emergency podcast for La La Land. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So hopefully, uh, given everything we've said, I don't think we've really spoiled much, really, because it's hard to really explain what's going on with Bo Burnham inside. So. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a series of scenes, I guess, and a series of songs that mm. ultimately accumulate to form. A pandemic introspection. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, guess. I think it's a it's lightning in the bottle because mm. fingers crossed we don't have another global pandemic anytime soon. Well, some of us are still, you know, locked well, down. So totally, it's, it's not <laughs> over. I know that, and it's pretty, America recently went over six hundred thousand people dead, mm. but they're acting as if it's all normal still. Like, wow. Yeah. Anyway, what I'm going and getting at is, I think the the conditions to create this were very particular mm. and. You know, I thank Bo Burnham for giving this to us. <laughs> and I'd like to thank Mr. Burnham for his contribution <laughs> to the zeitgeist. Yeah. Well, we should thank people for giving themselves over to us, the masses. Like, Oh, we should, definitely. Is... I just don't know that Bo listens to the podcast. Oh, well, I think you're wrong. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you very much for listening. Um, please watch Bo Burnham Inside if you haven't already. Um but be prepared if you watch it like us you'll have to go through some rabbit holes to try and read a lot about it to understand it and get the study guide up for the second time you watch it because it's something else isn't it Sine? yeah i mean it's not one of those films that you have to like research to figure out after you've seen it which i hate but reading about it will will sort of give you a more well-rounded experience yeah of what it is, yeah I I, yeah totally i think you'll be inspired to like understand more about it rather than mm. having having to work out having to read more to work it out so. yeah i would also recommend like a close watch probably don't have this on in the background while you're cooking dinner i reckon like sit and watch it i say never watch something in the background so. <sighs> okay the especially thing is, you're not... just in denial about this whilst i am accepting that that's a reality and then tailoring my advice around that you're just like nope no one must ever watch anything unless they are sitting down at nine o'clock at night with the volume and we're all showered and ready to go. We're all going to watch it together. And that's what we're going to do. And we're not going to talk throughout it. We're not going to be on our phones. If we ask for a bathroom break, it must be paused immediately. This is you. Oh, am I wrong? <laughs> am I wrong? Are you going to tell me that I'm wrong? All right. Sorry for being correct. We'll um, oh. see you next time. <laughs> Bye. Goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.